Hello and welcome to the Keck CNC Global Thinking Podcast. I'm your host, Michael White, and today I'm joined by my colleagues Millie Putt and Anna Rocha. Today, we are kicking off a new series of episodes focused on executive communications. This is following the publication of Keck CNC's Global CEO LinkedIn Tracker. Each episode will traverse the world exploring CEO insights from the UK, Germany, Stockholm, and the US. Now, it's no secret that the past 12 months has proven to be the toughest, most unstable periods economically and geopolitically in the last 40 years, as governments, media and social media platforms fuel the growing polarization and politicization on key societal issues, businesses and CEOs have never been more exposed. Business leaders cannot remain silent, with executive communication teams challenged to find a suitable response at the same time, must make sure that everything they say is rooted in facts and delivers results, not just words. Millie and Anna are key authors behind the Global CEO LinkedIn Tracker and additionally published a bespoke report on FTSE 100 listed company CEOs. Welcome both. Now, to my knowledge, this is the largest study of CEOs on LinkedIn ever done. Millie, can you talk us through some of the main insights? Hi, Michael. Um, yes, absolutely. Um, so I agree. I think this is, to my knowledge as well, one of the largest um, pieces of research on LinkedIn leadership um, that we've we've done. Um, and I think what's the overarching kind of message that's come through, certainly from the global insights, is how having personal and value-based communications is really, really key from corporate leadership. Um, it's, it's not good enough anymore to just talk to key topics and issues such as HR, sustainability, or... Um, diversity, equity, and inclusion, it's actually now you've got to show change and leaders have to show their own personal take on these issues as well. I think it's clear that audiences want to see action from corporate leaders and have them clearly communicating that on social media. Thank you. And, and for those who've been following our CEO trackers, they'll know this is the uh, third edition. Anna, you're a founding member of these studies. What stands out in this report versus uh, the previous two? Hi, Michael. Hi, Millie. Um, yes. So the first report we launched, we launched it in autumn of 2021, and that covered one quarter. And then the second report that we launched, we did on in spring 2022, and that um, covered six months. So I guess the biggest difference is that this report covers a full year. So we get kind of that full view of how CEOs have communicated throughout every quarter. And then, of course, before the research used to be limited only to the UK, and now it's a global tracker with input from um, the US, Sweden, and Germany as well, which has given us a lot of data to compare. So whether as before, we'd be looking at only perhaps 250 posts per quarter or something like that, our global report has almost 5,000 posts, which we've analyzed. And I think kind of the interesting thing is that we've we've done this in a year with a lot of change um, 
Russia's invasion of Ukraine, the kind of end of COVID and going back into the office, all of that has had a massive impact. So having a yearly report, we've been able to see how all of those factors have played out in communications throughout this year. So we saw, for example, a massive dip in communications um, following the first quarter of 2022, both globally and in the UK as companies um or it's scrambling on how to respond to Russia's invasion in Ukraine. There was almost a communications ban and no one was really saying anything to now we've seen a huge uptick um, like Millie's touched upon in Q3 and Q4 on personal posts here in the UK. It's almost doubled up um, in content and we see that growing trend. So yes, I think, the biggest addition is that kind of full year view and the ability to compare with our other markets and kind of identify what a CEO looks like in each of those markets. That's really interesting. And I think that that blackout witnessed after the Russian invasion of, of Ukraine uh, in many ways, probably isn't that surprising as uh, it is difficult to know how to respond to such a, a horrific situation with war in Europe again. But it is interesting that we're now seeing posting start back up. What does that look like? How can how have business leaders responded in in such a difficult situation geopolitically, but obviously with the, the cost of living crisis as well? I think it's a really interesting point to raise, Michael, is how do you come back when, you know, content is held off and people are pausing and essentially watching and waiting to see how the world responds? Um, I think this is also where that kind of personal element of content also really helps um it really helps explain the motivation behind that personal angle of content because it, instead of taking more formalized um sort of positions and stances on things, leaders are expressing their own views and unique perceptions on it. And I think that actually started quite a lot with the kind of commentary that did happen around um, uh, the invasion of Ukraine that we saw in our previous FTSE 100 report was leaders actually expressing their sadness and having quite emotional responses to obviously what has been a horrific conflict. So, um, you see that sensitivity coming in there, then a pause in posting, and then the return to content has had this much more personal angle. So I think there's a bit of recognition maybe with corporate, exec with executive leadership teams or with leaders themselves, um, that they need to take a more personal stance and they need to approach content in a much more sensitive way. Um, that being said, you know, company announcements are still one of the leading topics that we see in in the research, and and there is still very much that business motivation behind content, but it, it just has this slightly more nuanced and sensitive angle to it. That's interesting, and I know one of the other insights that came out of uh, the report, and we'll, we'll come on to FTSE 100 shortly, is the sustainability side of things. And I know there's been a lot of scepticism, in particular around ESG. In fact, I was reading one piece in the FT recently, and uh, a commenter said ESG stands for Energy Shortage Guaranteed, which is interesting in the in the context of a of a cost of living crisis have we seen that impact on business leaders at all when it comes to sustainability related content 
Yes, definitely. One of the kind of standout pieces of insight that we've seen in our global report is that um, sustainability uh, content has less engagement um, than it has earned previously. Um, And this kind of indicates a fatigue around that kind of content and messaging. In our previous reports um, for the FTSE 100, I think there was a really clear focus on sustainability, particularly around key kind of milestone events like COP26. but that's just not cutting the mustard anymore. Um, given 2022 was the year of COP27 and also the biodiversity COP, I think our initial expectation was that sustainability would be a really key theme. Um, but I think that how you know the data is telling us a different story, essentially. And also what we're seeing is this shift in the kind of content that's being discussed. So we've actually captured the core buzzwords that have been used across global posts around sustainability. And it's the usual suspects that are coming through. We're still talking about those core issues of carbon decarbonization and the climate crisis, whereas topics such as biodiversity are actually relatively small in the corporate landscape. So these leaders are still talking about the same things. And I think that that is where a challenge is coming through in that audiences want to know more and they want to see action. Focusing specifically now on the FTSE 100, I'm interested to understand how do these group of CEOs uh, compare to everybody else, to the CEOs across Germany, uh, Stockholm and the US? Um, something really interesting that we've done now that we have um, all these markets to compare with is we've tried to attribute a persona to each market that we've analyzed. So, for example, for the UK, we have the relatable CEO and that persona kind of encapsulates what, you know, a FTSE 100 CEO looks like on LinkedIn. And so what we saw from for the UK is that, as we mentioned, a lot of relatable content, a lot of personal content, um, simple, informal sentences and a focus on authenticity as well. Something really interesting that we've seen is that a lot of our FTSE 100 CEOs were really trying to convey themselves as a physical and visible part of their company, especially returning um, to the office. A lot of them have traveled around the globe and visited different um, offices of their company. So they've really made a big effort to make themselves seen as kind of part of the team. And then, yes, this very strong push on authenticity. Looking at the other markets just really briefly, um, The content is relatively similar in the U.S. They are the social CEO. However, they do kind of have a bit more of a corporate tone to them. Whilst they are posting a lot of uh, personal content, it does still have that corporate tone to everything they're saying. And then in Germany, for example, very different from us. They're the purpose-driven CEO. And they have a very strong focus on sustainability, which we haven't really seen across the globe. And we definitely haven't seen in the UK. As to Millie's previous point, we've seen um, we've seen a big decline in sustainability-related posts here in the UK. And then lastly, we have the Talent Magnet CEO in Sweden. They use the platform in a much more conventional way in the sense that it's used to attract talent. Um, and the tone is very inspirational. Um, CEOs are trying to come across as leaders of their company and promote um, their employees. And it's seen as a 
kind of big talent attraction tool that's definitely the focus for CEOs in Sweden. So that's the overall comparison. Each of our markets has their own persona, their own personality. And it's very interesting to see because we are able to compare, I think, definitely, as Millie mentioned before, a big reason for the um relatable CEO in the UK is potentially all the geopolitical trends and the political impact of the situation in the UK um, and this with the cost of living crisis, the desire to come across as someone closer to their employees is something that we're definitely seeing come through. The comparison elements are really interesting. And looking back at, at the FTSE 100 CEOs now, I know, I mean, I know I've got a friend of mine who, who I sent this research to. And the question is, where does our CEO stand in the list of FTSE 100 CEOs? Essentially, what are the leaders doing that the laggards aren't at this stage based on taking engagements as success, positive engagements, of course? What, what, what is it that makes a, a CEO stand out as a leader on LinkedIn? Um, I mean, there are some very straightforward tactical elements that it is worth acknowledging because even though they can seem a little dry, they're actually almost these quick wins that that should really be taken into consideration. And I think one of the standout elements that we've kind of seen with these leaders is that they're posting regularly. So actually making sure that you're active on the platform rather than looking for one hit wonders. Um, so I'll kind of most engage with FTSE 100 CEOs post over three times a month. Um, they also are using kind of real storytelling techniques. So actually, long form text posts are, um, you know, drive re- much higher engagement than the other formats. Um, even though we found with our global research that images are a much more popular um, tactic to use, it's actually those text posts that are driving that engagement because it's a real opportunity for a leader to tell a story and and to include some of their own anecdotes within within that. Um, and then I think from a content perspective, certainly with the FTSE 100, it's that personal um, and more kind of authentic approach to their content that is that is really driving engagement and something that we've seen as a significant shift that makes them stand out and makes people want to hear what they have to say. I think also what's really interesting is we haven't really seen um, amongst our leaders a very strong correlation between frequency of posting and um, the engagements that they get. So obviously all of them post um, relatively regularly a couple times a month. However, not necessarily posting more won't necessarily lead to more engagements. I think that is something that our laggards haven't necessarily figured out yet in the sense that we do have a lot of CEOs who will post numerous times a day. However, their content isn't as tailored and it's almost too much content. So in that sense, I think that our CEOs, our leading CEOs really know when to hit those key moments and have those posts which are valuable for their business and which makes sense to them with the right tone rather than just posting for the sake of posting or only posting in kind of key dates, for example, only posting um, sustainability around COP or only posting diversity and inclusion around International Women's Day. We know that our leading CEOs have a much more tactical approach to their LinkedIn. So 
as mentioned earlier, this is the third edition of the CEO LinkedIn tracker. So how much data have we collected overall um, from CEOs on LinkedIn, particularly focusing on the FTSE 100? Is it two years yet? So at the moment, it is a year and a half. So it's half of 2021 and then the full of 2022. And then hopefully this is something that we're also going to continue forward. So each year it's only going to grow. Now, we heard from the World Economic Forum last year that clearly there's a significant economic danger taking place. We know that leaders, whether that's business or political leaders, face a catalogue of challenging decisions and trade-offs, not just with the Russian invasion of Ukraine, but inflation heightening. There's a global decline, of erosion of living standards. There's no doubt that social unrest is on the rise. I mean, in the UK alone, I think we've had two different strikes taking place this week, one with trains and the other one with uh, NHS workers. And there is this sense now that distrust is society's default emotion and uh, the sort of collapse of trust we're seeing in democracies. For business leaders and, and the clients we're advising, how does that change how they're doing their communications uh, programs? Yeah, I think it's a really good point to raise, Michael, and a really important context to be aware of. Um, I think ultimately, leaders and their executive comms teams have highlighted that just how important it is to be active um, on LinkedIn and to have that kind of ongoing commentary because ultimately they're having to communicate much more complicated ideas and decisions um, and being much and and be much more transparent about them. Um, I think if anything that's just highlighted the sheer importance of LinkedIn as a place and also actually the significance of social media more generally is providing that real immediate feedback loop between a leader and their audience. And it's probably worth noting that within our global report, we have seen a very, very slight increase in negative comments um, over the year. And, and that kind of can help indicate that marker of distrust, that marker of kind of audience scepticism, because ultimately leaders now are communicating with audiences that have much more access to information, much more kind of confidence and authority in challenging what a corporate leader is saying. So having that consistent messaging, having that opportunity to address complex issues and topics um, on social media and kind of be part of that conversation is definitely something that um, exec comms teams have to grapple with. And um, ultimately, having this data and insight to back them up, to understand what leaders are talking about in, in their peer set, but also what people are engaging with is essential to, to have a kind of sophisticated executive comms pr program. Well, Anna and Millie, thank you so much for your time today. I'm aware the full research report is, is 60 plus pages. That's the global version. There's a separate FTSE 100 version. So, uh, you know, anyone who's, uh, who's listening to this podcast can visit the uh, kexcnc.com website and download uh, the research uh, for free right there. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you very much uh, for your time today. Uh, really interesting discussion and hopefully useful for uh, our listeners. Thanks, Thank Michael. you for having us.